Hello, and welcome to United Health Group's Weekly Dose podcast, where we'll get you up to speed on the latest trends shaping the future of healthcare. I'm your host, Ira Apko. The COVID-19 pandemic is now entering its third year, with seemingly no end in sight. But researchers have learned a lot about the coronavirus and its many variants. Perhaps most important, researchers have developed vaccines that help prevent people from contracting the coronavirus. Ensuring the vaccines are safe to administer is no easy task, though, and the Food and Drug Administration has worked tirelessly to achieve this goal. To help the FDA develop safe COVID-19 vaccines, the agency has collaborated with private organizations, leveraging their skills and knowledge. In this episode of The Weekly Dose, we'll talk to the leader of one of those organizations helping the FDA develop safe COVID vaccines. Dr. John Seeger is the head of Optum Life Sciences Epidemiology Team, and he's the person leading Optum's COVID-19 vaccine consulting work with the FDA. A professor at the Harvard Chan School of Public Health, Dr. Seeger is going to explain how Optum's scientific consulting team provided critical data and analysis to help the FDA evaluate the risks and benefits of authorizing the Pfizer vaccine for kids ages 5 to 11, as well as the FDA helping the FDA set up its vaccine safety monitoring system. Dr. John Seeger, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So first question, what is the Optum Life Sciences Epidemiology Team? So our uh, life sciences epidemiology team is a a group of people, epidemiologists, but also analysts and support staff who who conduct drug safety and effectiveness, uh, as well as vaccine safety and effectiveness studies uh, that are done for regulatory uh, purposes. And briefly speaking, what does the team do? How does it uh, do its testing? Well, Um, Have you ever thought about how the FDA tracks the safety of drugs or vaccines after they've been approved? I have not, but I'm I'm sure now this has become more top of mind with the pandemic. So fire away. Okay, well, you know, the FDA doesn't rely on any single source of information to do this. Instead, what they do is is they they use multiple streams of information that then can uh, integrate into sort of decisions that they have to make about the the safety or effectiveness of of drugs or vaccines that they've approved. Um, And so we at Optum Epidemiology serve as one of these streams of information. We use the combination of our expertise in epidemiology uh, and, and, you know, briefly what that does, you know, what epidemiologists do is it goes beyond what what you might see about infectious disease epidemiology and in, in the context of the the. Uh, COVID pandemic, we learn a lot about epidemiologists, but that's a, a, just one branch of epidemiology. Uh, more broadly speaking, what epidemiology is, is about drawing causal inferences from observational data. And so we at Optum use the real world data that we have uh, access to through Optum to draw inferences about safety or effectiveness of drugs or vaccines. So can you give me an example of an inference that you have drawn or, or your team has drawn, let's say, from uh, the data? Sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, Optum Epidemiology has been doing this for, for many years, 25 years uh, and, and more. Um, and, you know, so we've been involved in many fairly high profile uh, drug safety 
uh, questions of the day. Uh, so, for example, we were involved in in some of the work uh, related to Vioxx and uh, its its association with um, myocardial infarctions. And so, that's one of the inferences that we were able to draw from from the data was about how, you know how much does uh, Vioxx increase your risk of myocardial infarction. Got it. So you and your team will be looking for something, some kind of clue or some kind of signal, if you will, and then you'll uh, dive deeper on that and explore and make sure that uh, it is not adversely affecting the safety of a vaccine or a drug. Yes, that, that's right. It's it's kind of a, um, a quantification of this uh, sort of, you know, a purely you know, qualitative assessment of, you know, do, does the drug or vaccine increase the risks, risk of of this adverse event? Um, you know, so we, we move it from that purely qualitative statement to, okay, how much? So quantify, how much does it increase the risk of the, the, the adverse effect uh, that you're observing? Got it. So the Optimum Life Sciences Epidemiology Team has been around for 25 years, as you said. Tell me about some of its other projects or successes outside its work with the FDA. Sure. A, a lot of the work that we do uh, flies under the radar. Um, you know, most of our work produces no headlines. It's not even associated with headlines. Uh, often there's a suspicion that a drug or a vaccine is associated with some particular adverse event. And we do our due diligence, we, we conduct a study, a well-designed study with, with good data source, good analysis, and it shows that the drug or vaccine is not associated with the, the adverse event that it had been suspected of. And that's the majority of our work finds that. And, and that is a really useful function because it gives the FDA confidence that, you know, that the drug or vaccine can stay on the market and that it, it, it's not causing this, this risk that might have been suspected for, for one reason or another. When is your team uh, typically called in? Are you typically called in when there is some kind of inference or, or someone suspects something is going wrong? Or are you partnering with the development alongside the development of the, the vaccine or the drug? Yeah, it's it's. I think mostly the former. That is, there's a uh, there's a suspicion uh, that the drug or vaccine uh, is is associated with a particular adverse event, and they call us in, or usually the manufacturer uh, contacts us to say, you know, can we do a study to to address that uh, particular question? Um, and those those suspicions mm, arise uh, often, um, uh, you know, through one of sort of three mechanisms. One mechanism is it's it's something that was observed in a in the randomized trials that the the drug or vaccine went through to get on the market, uh, but but typically in those uh, trials there aren't enough patients that that get the drug or the vaccine for for that adverse event to to become uh, statistically significant. That is, it 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 could be just a chance finding, and so. What we are brought in is okay now. Once it's on the market, it's given to lots of people. Uh, we'll be able to develop larger numbers so that we can uh, provide a greater precision about you know how much does it increase the risk, or or maybe it doesn't increase it at all, and that will uh, uh, address the the question. So that's one way is that it's it's based on uh, these pre-marketing studies. Uh, a second way is when 
uh, an adverse event case report occurs uh, through spontaneous reporting, and it may occur, um, a few cases may occur, uh, there may be enough cases to occur to lead the regulators or the, or the manufacturers to be uh, suspicious, and then we might be called in to do a study to address that. And then the third is if there's a sort of an extension of the pharmacology of the product. So it's like, you know, this, this particular drug increases blood pressure or heart rate, um, then there might be a, a suspicion that that drug might cause, uh, uh, you know, cardiovascular uh, outcomes that you don't want, like heart attacks. And so then we would be potentially called in to, to conduct the study and say, does this drug increase the risk of heart attacks? And we, we know it increases the risk of or, or blood or increases blood pressure, but does that translate into uh, increased occurrence of, of heart attacks? And then that's, that's one of the studies that we've actually done. Your team was called in to help the FDA evaluate the risks and benefits of authorizing the Pfizer vaccine for kids ages five to 11. I'm wondering when did uh, what were you contacted by the FDA and why did they reach out to your team and what needs did they have that a private company like Optum Epidemiology could help fulfill? Sure. Uh, you know, a lot of it goes back to this, what I mentioned, the 25-year history of, of conducting these types of studies. So the, the FDA was aware of us, that, that is our research team sitting within um, Optum conducting these drug safety or vaccine safety uh, studies. And so they knew of our capabilities. And uh, through the FDA BEST uh, initiative, they were looking for research groups that sat within data sources that could conduct, uh, you know, help them with their uh, their evaluations of drugs or vaccines. And um, and they, they reached out to us in, in uh, 2020 to you know, become part of, of the, the best um, initiative. And you know, we, we worked through a process to, to become a part of it. Uh, and, you know, for the particular question around the, the, you know, the, the analysis of uh, myocarditis and pericarditis in, in kids, that was um, a specific, uh, you know, study that we did within the context of this best initiative and we, what it is is it was uh you know at, at the time we provided this analysis uh you know the the vaccine was not approved for use in 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 kids so we had no data on on kids getting the vaccine but what we did have was data on kids uh age you know 5 to 11 bef- you know in the time before the vaccines were on the market so that we could say, okay, here's here's the general background occurrence of myocarditis and pericarditis in, in children of this age. And then the FDA was able to use that information along with information about the uh, the effect of the vaccine that they got from the, the clinical trials to, to, to conduct a risk-benefit analysis that showed, you know, the benefits of of vaccinating children ages five to twelve or five to eleven uh, was was a sort of outweighed the risks that would be associated with vaccinating children in that age range, and the the FDA advisory committee used that information as a part of their fact basis in in making the recommendation to um, allow vaccination for for children's uh, in this age range. How does uh, the partnership? specifically for uh, research 
uh, into the, the Pfizer vaccine for kids ages 5 to 11. How did that partnership uh, between Optum Epidemiology and the FDA work? Walk listeners through the kind of steps that the, the two or organizations, Optum, a private company, and FDA, a large regulator, took to kind of make it all work. Sure. Uh, th this uh, FDA best uh, initiative is it has a, a number of different stakeholders, and you know certainly the FDA is part of it, but then Optum, and then a whole number of other partners as well. And really, what what happens is the FDA provides guidance. They they say here's the research questions that we're interested in, and then they then they work on you know within this uh, really consortium of uh, that 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 it is FDA best to you know they they have. Um, uh, sort of coordinators within that partnership. And so there are a couple of coordinating sites. And then we are really kind of one of the doer sites. We, we have the research uh, team and the, and the data. And, you know, the, the coordinating site sort of helps the FDA convert their question, their guidance on what they're interested in, into action. And then they, the coordinating sites work with us to... Uh, to actually, you know, move that action forward to to to, to conduct the study uh, within the data sources, and then you know, use uh, the scientific expertise to help interpret that data and and feed it back to FDA in a way that the FDA can act on it. How did your team help with establishing the vaccine safety monitoring program? Sure, it, it, because it, when we were contacted with FDA in, in 2020, we, we, you know, we, this was all new to us. And so what we had to do was set up a, a series of data streams and uh, monitoring programs to, to accomplish what they were after, the, the parameters of what they were uh, outlining for us. And that's, you know, it, it took a, a number of months, actually, to get that up and running. But now that it is up and running, we... Um, we every every two weeks we at Optum provide a an update of cumulative cumulatively what have you seen with respect to the adverse events that might happen after the vaccines and incrementally what you know within the, the last two weeks how many new cases were there of each of the different adverse events that we're monitoring uh, so it's a it's a sequential monitoring program that that um, uh, accumulates the data as well as providing the increments so that there's a this ongoing record of the safety of these vaccines that can identify new things as well as uh, becoming more and more precise about all the things that have already been uh, uh, you know tabulated. I'm curious, what did you and your team learn while working with the FDA? Yeah, it's it's really been a uh, you know a fascinating. Um, combination of, of uh, sort of the the science that, that, that really seems to be driving everything. But of course, there's a, a range of considerations that go beyond just the science and the public health. There's um, a, a range of political considerations, as well as, you know, things that you read about in the news about what's what's a hot topic. Um, uh, but it's, it, it, you know, and these all of these considerations have, you know, sort of extended the range of what we typically deal with uh, when, when, you know, studying safety of a, of a drug uh, that's on the market. I'm curious, based on your experience working with Optum Epidemiology, was this the most 
complex uh, or complicated uh, project you worked on? Yeah, it is. It is complicated. And um, it, when when you say new, it's sort of it's pushing the boundaries of of our comfort zone. You know, we're, we're scientists. We we work with the science, but this is you know sort of helping move us into areas of policy that we haven't typically been involved in. Uh, uh, but but also, you know, as I described earlier, the 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 complexity of the the best program, the FDA best program, is um, uh, it, it's 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 it it requires coordination across uh, a whole range of stakeholders, and and not you know our typical situation where we're dealing with a a single uh, you know manufacturer, for example, of a drug, uh, you know, and and. In, as you say, it's really complicated. Uh, a, a metric for this is is that within the Optum Epidemiology team, this is actually the largest project that we've ever worked on. We have the largest study team involved in it that we have, you know, historic at least over these twenty five years. How else are you? Uh, is the FDA, but also Optum Epidemiology, applying? what you've learned beyond COVID-19 vaccines for, say, a, a new drug, a, a new vaccine, or the next pandemic? Yeah, it, you know, it's it's a great question. There's always going to be gaps in our knowledge. And, uh, you know, whether it, you know, the, the clinical trials are, are, you know, certain size, or even drugs that have been on the market for a fair amount of time, there's still gaps in the, in the knowledge base. And so new adverse events might come up. Um, and we... We apply um, our capabilities to uh, to addressing these gaps, and, and you know the, the aim is to 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 fill in the knowledge so that that patients and physicians uh, can make more informed uh, decisions regarding treatment choice. Uh, you know, selecting one drug or another, or, or whether to select a drug at all for, for or a vaccine at all in a particular situation, uh, and that's uh, it's it's really filling in those gaps uh, in. In not just COVID nineteen vaccine information, but essentially the information on any drug or vaccine on the market. As you said before, this was the largest project that Optum Epidemiology has worked on, and at the same time, you literally the whole world is watching. Uh, this is getting reported almost in real time. So I imagine for you and your team, it must have been uh, very. Uh, fraught, but also incredibly rewarding. How did you balance that? How did you deal with it, the pressures of all that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it really has been gratifying to see, you know, this, to be involved in the work and see on the front lines what's going on with, uh, you know, large numbers of patients, you know, taking, the, getting the vaccine and then what happens to them and then being able to not just observe it, but able to synthesize it and uh, in a way that involves you know all of our training and expertise as epidemiologists to to say well it, it looks like this uh, vaccine is not increasing the risk um, of of myocarditis or pericarditis or or you know any of the other adverse events that we're looking at um, and so yes it's it's been uh, really very gratifying and I think it's uh, it, it, it the way the way we handle it is just keep uh, you know sort of following back on our our process and our training as epidemiologists I, I mean I guess this is really what gets you uh, excited and out of bed in the morning this is what makes you tick projects like this right 
Absolutely. This is the, you know, I, I like to think of it as the thrill of discovery. The, the, you know, as scientists, that's one of the things that drives us is, is the thrill of discovery. And, and you temper that thrill of discovery with, with all of your training, all of the uh, rigor and expertise that you bring to the, the, the table. But the, the, at the same time, you, you, um, you, you, you have sort of a, a almost childlike wonder at, the, at being able to see something that nobody else has ever seen before. Dr. John Seeger, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. All right. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of United Health Group's Weekly Dose Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the Weekly Dose Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week.